0: This is another MP3 podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle, Australia. To NURFM 103.7, time to talk travel. Thanks to our sponsor Travel World on King. I'm Jane Klein, Sally Lucas. Okay, today Jane, I'm going to talk about e-passports. We've got e-tags and e-all sorts of things these days, haven't we? But you might not even realise, which I didn't even myself until an ad appeared in papers recently, my passport's a couple of years old. And on the front of it is this little gold symbol. If you have a look down the bottom, if you've got one of those on the front of the outside cover of your passport, you have an e-passport. Now, what an e-passport allows you to do, and Australians and New Zealanders both have these now, if they've been issued in the last couple of years, that you can actually process yourself through passport control. Mm. So isn't that interesting? So you have two procedures that you have to do and this is within Australia we're talking about by the way when you're coming in through you know customs immigration etc. Going out of Australia and into Australia. This is coming back in. Coming back in. Just coming back in as you go through passport control coming back in. So step one you go to uh, you look for the smart gate kiosk which will be located um, in the concourses at or near the normal passport control. You'll go to that you place your e-passport into the reader and you answer some standard declarations using the touch screen Uh, The kiosk will then issue you with a smart gate ticket and then step two is you go to like a gate, insert your ticket in the gate, look at the camera while your face is compared with your e-passport photo, retrieve your ticket and proceed through the gate, collect your luggage and proceed to customs. Well, that sounds fantastic. So no more queuing, really. I mean, you're not waiting for someone to look at you and look at your passport and have a glance. And So, I mean, if anyone, just check your passport. If it has been issued in the last couple of years, you should have that little gold symbol on the front, which might just help you get through customs a lot quicker these days. So, Sally, if you come into Sydney Airport, does Mm -hmm. that get you over the Harbour Bridge as well? I wish it did. (laughs) (laughs) Then we would have to pay for (laughs) e-tags. Moving right along from that, Jane, Um, I just thought I'd mention the Travel Compensation Fund in Australia. I don't know whether people who uh, travel on holidays or book on holidays with travel agents or the net are aware of what this fund does. Um, It's actually going to be launching a brand new education campaign on the benefits of booking with a travel agent, particularly in these economically difficult times, and it, it provides – the Travel Compensation Fund provides a safety net for customers who book with agencies that are a member of their fund, okay? Um, check with your agent when you're booking with them. There should be a logo on the door or ask. It should be on a letterhead or card or something like that for you. So they want to know that people can travel and – you know, at least be assured that if something goes wrong, there is a protection there in place for them. And over the last, oh, some years, 1986, I think it was established, they've actually provided remuneration of more than $50 million to consumers who've lost money if a member travel agency has collapsed. So this is important to know. The only um, state in Australia that doesn't belong to this at the moment is the Northern Territory, but throughout the rest of the country, um, you've got about 3,200 travel agents um, who all belong to this fund, which is really important. So in other words, if you're booking something independently on the net yourself or through any other means other than through a travel agent, you've got no backup, no cover. This way, this is why we're saying to people, you know, trust your travel agent, you know, check with them. They've always got good advice. They've got the professional help to give you. And also they've got that backup to support you, as, you know, with a fund if something does go wrong. So would this help you if you were flying on a, on a plane and that airline company decided not to fly for the next um, no, it not well. It's more to do with travel agencies. You know, where you, you might have like difficult times at the moment. We could see, unfortunately, as we have in the past with with SARS and with the World Tower and so on. Like agencies have, have unfortunately gone out the back door, haven't been able to cope with, with the loss of revenue and the, and the downturn in the economy. So it's when a travel agency actually might have to fold or a tour operator rather than an airline. Um, normally, depending on your insurance policy, which is again, if we can just reiterate how important it is to have a good quality travel insurance policy, really check and read what's in it, what you're covered for. What you're, I always say to people, look at what you're not covered for. That's the easiest way of looking at it, because there's a lot more of what you're covered for to read. If you look at what the not, you'll know straight away, you know, those things that you might think, well, I want to be covered for that. Like whether you're going to Nepal or Kokoda and you need to make sure the only way you can be airlifted out is by helicopter. You want to make sure that insurance policy has that there in case you have a medical evacuation required. Otherwise, you may not survive, for example, and may not be able to be airlifted out because you've got to quote a travel insurance policy number now before they'll even come and get you. Mm. so just interesting things to keep in mind okay with things like that so yes check about the travel compensation fund with your agent um you're booking the secure way then and you're getting you know good advice from people who, who know what they're doing so travel is the subject on to a new rfm 103.7 sally Lucas. we're talking cruising now jane uh-huh. and i tell you what it's just been one of the most popular things people are doing at the moment i think maybe again with the downturn economy it's a one-up cost up front there's not many extras to pay for they feel it's relaxing maybe it's just getting them out of a little bit of a hole or giving them a good feel but cruising is just gone off like a rocket at the moment. It's just amazing how, how well it's going. Um, just to mention, the MSC company, the Italian Cruise Company, um, they've got about 10 ships now. It's quite amazing. And they've just uh, launched recently a new one called the MSC Splendida. Sophia Loren is the face of MSC Cruises, by the way, and she always launches their, their vessels. Oh, wonderful. Yes. it <laughs> would be <beautiful>, worth watching. <laughs> oh, beautiful woman, isn't she? Uh, so, 10th vessel this is, and um, it was launched in December, but she's only just done her maiden voyage in July of this year. Um, And just to give you an idea of what it's like Just some of the figures Its total surface area is 450,000 square metres Which is the equivalent to about 60 football fields Okay, that's a bit hard to imagine, isn't it? (sighs) Um, It's dubbed the Queen of the Mediterranean And it's pretty impressive It's 333 metres long Which means she's longer than the Eiffel Tower laid horizontally And at 66 metres high It's as tall as a 23-storey skyscraper Each of her propellers are bigger than a double-decker bus and she can move at a speed of 23.3 knots, which means she can probably outrun a London bus. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, Anyway, centre stage, when you go on board, apparently, is this sweeping Swarovski crystal staircase in the main lobby. It's truly an eye-opener. And each of these 70 steps apparently cost a staggering €20,000 each. It's got 18 decks, lavish decor, etc. Ca- enough carpet, they reckon, to cover London's Trafalgar Square or Times Square in New York. Enough Italian marble to cover five ice rinks. I mean, just amazing. There's 18 different bars, lounges, four restaurants, two buffets on board, serving up 2,000 different menus a day. So you could try five different dishes a day for a whole year and still not have tasted them all. But you've got all sorts of things. There's a sports bar with a mini bowling alley, and you can play on without having special shoes. And you've got all the usual things with spas and etc. So it's sumptuous, it's elegant, but it's affordable so Hmm. just to keep that in mind I mean that's amazing what they're doing with cruising these days Mm, certainly sounds like it and And still in the Mediterranean yes well we're still there and I thought we'd just talk about Sicily for a minute and I just noticed the other day there's this wonderful itinerary has come out called the Jolly Winter Tour (laughs) and you know, it would be lovely. And the one thing I loved about this, Jane, is when I've read through it, it's absolutely all-inclusive, and that's unusual with touring. Most, mostly you'll get breakfast and some dinners, but hardly never any lunches. But this is just – I can't see anything that you've got to pay for. So it's quite amazing. And they depart from November through to March over that winter period. Just to give you an idea, you start in Palermo um, and you have a welcome drink and dinner that night, then you leave the next day to start touring. I had friends went there last year, by the way, who had two weeks in Sicily and said that still wasn't enough. Mm. Just to give you an idea, even thinks of an island, but they said there's just so many little places to poke in and around and it's got so much history. Of course, it's got mountains. and, and Well, you've got Edna, volcanoes. of course, as well. So this is what you're doing. You're, vi- you're visiting lots of beautiful old areas, beautiful cathedrals, medieval homes that are built into the rock. Um, obviously, you, you go to Taormina, which is considered the pearl of the Ionian Sea. And uh, it was founded in 400 BC. So, I mean, you're getting quite a lot of history there. And, of course, it's at the, uh, uh, near, the near Mount Etna as well. So, in every day, I've noticed you're having lunch maybe at a local restaurant. There's degustations of local wines. Um, you go to Catania, of course, as well. Um, some wonderful, as I said, uh, Piazza Duomo, the cathedral um, of the Lyotris uh, statue, Roman amphitheatres. Um, so, it's very intense, Syracusa. Um, Aggregento, uh which apparently has got some of the largest um, well-preserved Roman mosaics in the world. You know, we keep forgetting, as we've discussed before, about the Roman Empire and how widespread it was. And nearly everywhere you go in Europe, you've got Roman influences still there, and amphitheatres um, and mosaics and mosaics the place, and yeah. the Valley of the Temples. You've got the Temple of Juno, Concord, Heracles, Zeus, Castor, and Pollux, all there. I just thought that was, a, that was something I must admit, even though I've done history, I didn't do ancient history, and I wasn't aware all those temples were on Sicily. In Sicily. <laughs> so, yeah, so just a wonderful little itinerary, and if you've been to Italy before but looking to do something different, then I'd say, yeah, have a good look at this itinerary. It's run by Southern Italian travel specialists mm. and operating during the winter months, so it would be a lovely thing to do. And we'll be talking travel again next week, next Friday after the 1 o'clock news. Thank you, Sally Lucas. Thank you, Jane. i look forward to that to a new RFM 103.7.